Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian. Hello. And Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we are in the middle of a seven-part series with the Catholic Cafe. Kind of exciting. Part yeah. two coming up. This is number two out of yeah right. Seven. So out of seven, yeah. Seven so the way in. Seven the the, the seven sorrows of Mary exactly. and that devotion. We're talking about the, each one of the uh, of the sorrows. Uh, and spending a little time with each one, and uh, we uh, we did the first one. The first one was a prophecy of Saint Simeon. Uh, so if you missed that, you need to go to the website thecatholiccafe.com. You can check it out there uh, on the EWTN uh, on demand app on your iPhone or whatever. You can listen to it there as well. And if you listen to podcasts, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, you can hear it there as well. So uh, so we're going to move on to two. But before we do that. I do want to read, uh, I got an email, and I, and I got permission to use uh, this person's name. So uh, it's Laura, and uh, Laura uh, is writing from, let's see where she's from, Mount Carmel, Connecticut. Oh, Yeah, perfect. so Our Lady. Yeah, perfect. so I uh, enjoyed yesterday's show very much on the Seven Stars of Mary, and look forward to the upcoming series of shows about this. She sounds like really smart, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she knows where to hear the good stuff. Very much want to start saying this devotion daily. I thought you said to meditate on each sorrow, then follow with a Hail Mary at the end of each one. Just to be sure I heard you correctly, I researched this on the Internet. Now, be careful, Laura. So you go to the Internet, and you're going to make me out to be a liar. Uh, uh, anyway, but every website I found described a different way. Now I'm really confused. I was hoping it would not be too much to ask you to please email me your instructions so I can begin my daily devotion as soon as possible. So here's the thing. First of all... That sounds like a question I would ask, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> except your name's not Laura. This is no. Laura from Mount Carmel, Connecticut. It's a and voice, and I bet. Yes, exactly right. And uh, she sounds like a wonderful human being. And mm-hmm. so rather than email you, I'm I'm so lazy, I'd rather just spend some time on the show. And let's <laughs> answer her question. Yes. Uh, so, Laura, here's the thing. Um, first of all, it's it's called a devotion, right? What we're talking about is a devotion. I know you're, you, you knew that. But when you say devotion, a lot of times there's a little sort of wiggle room. Oh, yeah. In, in almost every devotion, it's not necessarily laid out like a very particular rite. It has to be done a certain way. Now, a lot of people do it a certain way. And so when you look on the on uh, any pretty much any website, there's, there's probably literally hundreds of different websites that talk about the seven sorrows of Mary, and they'll all have different ways in which uh, to do them. Some are a little more formal, uh, and they're meant to be done uh, as, a, as a public devotion. In other words, kind of as a group, uh, I, I think I mentioned on the last show that uh, at a, a parish I was at before, uh, they used to, on Saturday mornings, there'd be a little group of, uh, of people uh, who would get together and do the Seven Sorrows uh, devotion, and they would, uh, they would have a little uh, prayer. They would, they would read the, the first sorrow. They'd read like a little bit of a, a reflection that maybe two, three, four sentences. Then they would do seven Hail Marys, and then they might say a prayer afterward, if I remember correctly. Then they would go through all seven, and the whole thing would take them about ten minutes, right? That was probably the chaplet, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe, yeah. maybe so. When I, when I was looking myself at different ways to do this, I, I saw many different meditations, many different prayers, 
uh, many different ways in which to do it. Now, I did see, Laura, there were a couple of them, and I'll just give you one example. Uh, CatholicMom.com. Uh, they they have a version of it that's closer to what uh, Sam was talking about uh, in our last show, and and that essentially is uh, it's a little like two three sentence uh, sort of devotional. So you say the the first sorrow. There's two or three sentences about it to help elucidate uh, that particular sorrow, and then you do a hail mary, and then you say the next sorrow, and then you do uh, a little. There's a little two three sentences, and then you do a hail mary, and so and it's sort of designed for busy Catholic moms. Yeah, and so I think a couple of things to say. One, just as you were saying, Deacon Jeff, you know, there's a lot of devotions out there. You know, uh, the Seven Stars of Mary is one. Um, I mean, if you ask people, how do you have a Sacred Heart devotion properly? There's going to be a lot of different uh, ways that people honor the Sacred Heart. You know, obviously the First Friday Mass, offering that as an act of reparation, is a very famous way of doing it, but that's not the only way to do it. Same thing with Divine Mercy, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Precious Blood, stuff like that, right? Holy Face of Jesus, there's lots of devotions. That's the same case here with the Seven Sorrows of Mary. For me, I like the simplified version that Deacon Jeff just described, and I don't actually use uh, specifically like a... uh, uh, any pre-written reflections personally, um, what I do is I set aside as part of my per, my prayer time each morning. Uh, I have some other prayers that I how, do. How long do you set aside? Uh, I, you know, I, in ideally... Well, for this particular for, devotion. For this particular devotion, I would say uh, 10 to 15 minutes to do it well, but I can also do it in a few minutes because it's just seven hills. Right, so if it's, a, if it's a really busy day or if you want to stop in the middle of your day because you forgot to do it early in the morning, whatever, right. so the, or the Holy Spirit took you in a different direction that morning, and but maybe at noontime you're like, you know, I really need to do this, but I'm getting ready to go into a meeting. But you know what? Let me go ahead and do this. Sure. You might do a shorter version. Oh, 100%. And oftentimes I do, and but I think by setting aside to begin it, uh, setting aside, you know, a good fo- solid fifteen minutes of, of prayer time with it, where I can really spend a couple of minutes on each sorrow and meditating on each sorrow, and doing that as a daily devotion, it makes it easier on the days where you don't have much time and you're really just doing seven hail marys, and maybe you're doing seven hail marys really quickly and more quickly than you'd want to do them because it's an emergency situation. There's drama erupting in the household, right. and you want peace in the family, and so you're setting aside to do, do those seven hail marys, which I have done. Um, it works. It works. First of all, it is it, it is miraculous. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Uh, you know, and this is somebody who, Ziggy is guaranteeing <laughs> results at this point. No, but what I'm getting, what I'm bold. saying is, well, what I'm saying is, in my experience, and but this is as somebody who does it on a daily basis, and so it is a daily devotion for me. When I turn to it for an emergency that is in, that is in keeping with her promises, uh, so far Our Lady has proved extraordinarily faithful in ways that you know. Reason can't explain. You know, it truly, in my heart, I, it, 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 I can, it's only something that I can process from a perspective of faith. But I think it is important and good to make a daily practice of it if you feel so led and to set aside real meditation time if you feel so led. And then on those days when you can only really do seven Hail Marys and basically name. Uh, and when you mean seven Hail Marys, you mean one for each. One for each, yeah. yeah. Where, you, where you're naming each Because also the, the chaplet will have you do seven Hail Marys oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at each Sorry. 
Yes. Right. And so it's sort of confuse people. So, so if you're doing it the way I'm describing, which is a total of seven Hail Marys, one Hail Mary for each sorrow, uh, and including doing it on an emergency basis, if you're if it's a daily devotion for you, where, you, where each sorrow has really come alive in a personal, relatable way uh, in your mind and in your heart and in your prayer life, then when you are doing it on that emergency basis, there's already all these mental associations that you have with each sorrow. So when you're saying them, when you're, you're listing off each sorrow, there's meaning that's coming out in those, in that, in that brief instance, there's, there's room for grace to move in that brief, brief instance. And so I think that that's why it's connected. Why if I, if all I did was once in a while do seven quick hail Marys naming off each sorrow for each hail Mary, I, I don't think it would be as effective as it is, uh, you know, having made the time to, to to have the daily meditation time and daily devotions, but you don't have the point is you don't have to be sitting around for hours meditating on it. And I have spent a long time sometimes with the seven sorrows on some days if the spirit moves me to. You know, right. I have spent thirty minutes to an hour on them. It's not the norm, you know what I mean. But it's right. been fruitful and it's been. A and blessing. I don't know that yeah. Laura is talking about the time sure. element here. I think she's a little concerned, and, and we want to. I think what we want to say here is that. Uh, it's really not about the time. It's about essentially at the end of the day, it's a devotion that uh, leads you closer to those seven sorrows of Mary. Yes. And then applying those specifically to your life. Right? Yes. To, so to contemplate and to meditate upon those seven sorrows. Now, how you do that really is up to you. Right. And so what I would suggest to, to Laura is if you're going to get started with this, maybe go to catholicmom.com. Uh, and and maybe print out those little meditations, a little short to start with, like to kick you off into just to open, elucidate that that sorrow just a little bit more, and then do what we're doing in this show. As you continue to listen to this uh, series of seven shows, you're going to start to find other touch points mm-hmm. in each one of these sorrows that might apply to your life, uh, and so that might be helpful. So, Laura, I hope that was helpful in describing what it is that you need to uh, to do. Sam looks like he's ready to he's going to pounce again. <laughs> well, no, you said something though. I think that was important that I just want to kind of draw out for our listeners, including. Hey, Laura. you can stop there. It was important. I said it, and that's all that really matters. <laughs> Well, no, because I was focusing very much on you have to name each mystery, meditate a little bit, say a Hail Mary for each mystery. But I think it's important, and we've structured our shows around this. You're compassionating her sorrows. You're relating to her sorrows. And so you do that in two ways, right? One, you put yourself in her shoes to try to understand how she must have been experiencing that sorrow, but then you also draw upon your own life in ways that you can connect to that sorrow personally in a way that only you can. So both of those elements, in my opinion, are important to truly compassionate her sorrows. That's right. So the meditation, the contemplation of that particular sorrow, that's what we're really getting at. Mm-hmm. Whether you do... Uh, seven Hail Marys or 77 Hail Marys, the reality is those are lovely, and I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm just saying that the goal in either way, however you do this, is essentially to, well, you said compassionate. I love that. I've never used that as a verb, but we're going to compassionate Mary's sorrows and and essentially to be part of our Lord's passion uh, and and to to, uh, allow that to envelop us. And so through these, the lens of the sorrows of Mary, 
to come closer to Jesus. And I think, I think that's a powerful thing. So however that works for anyone listening in terms of devotion, that's what's the most important thing to do here. And yes, if you look on the web, on uh, uh, the, the, the interwebs, you will find <laughs> literally fi- like hundreds of different ways yes. of doing the seven sorrows, you know. Uh, and so in, in this situation. Pick one uh, of Sam's ways. Yes. But I, I, you know what? I'm, or, or mom.com. Catholic mom. Catholic mom.com. <laughs> you can't go wrong you with sure. a Catholic mom. Uh, and so let's talk about the second, uh, second sorrow of Mary, um, and, and that is the flight into Egypt. Um, and so, um, you know, we have th- this little bit of uh, Matthew in the second uh, chapter of Matthew in the Gospel. Uh, when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt, I called my son. So uh, you look at that and you think like, well, you know, they went on a family vacation. Why, why is this a sorrow? Where They probably packed up the, you know, Joseph packed up the Winnebago and they headed to, uh, they left at night. You know, it's always good to leave at night because the kids sleep. You know, we used to do that. Exactly. And I'm saying, like, so how is this a sorrow? Sam, I'm, I'm sure you've meditated upon this. I have meditated upon I'm being silly. This. I know this is a sorrow. <laughs> well, so a couple of things. Like, first, we talked last, uh, last week. Uh, we were talking, we couched the prophecy of St. Simeon in terms of the Annunciation, right? That she had heard the good news from the angel Gabriel, and she had uh, conceived a child by the power of the Holy Spirit, this miraculous virgin baby child. She had that experience. She gave birth to that child. She nursed that child. And, you know, first of all, there's already a difference here that God now is choosing to work through her husband, Joseph, to deliver the message. So it's not like the angel Gabriel is saying, it's me again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here's your next journey. You know, here's your next. Instead, her husband is saying, God told me in a dream that King Herod is going to kill our child and that we have to move. So first of all, that's horrific news to hear anyhow. Scary. But then there's also sort of an added level of trust because it's something that she's getting secondhand. You know, um, so she's hearing from Joseph and she's following Joseph. But imagine, you know, hearing that the king wants to kill your child. Like, that would be horrific for any mother to hear. I think it's all the more horrific. You know, this is God's child born of a virgin birth. Every baby shines with joy and love. But imagine how much more the baby Jesus shine with joy and love and goodness. And you look upon that perfect child and you say our our king king herod he wants to kill this child mm. for, yeah that's for scary. political reasons <laughs> you know selfish political reasons i i so that i you know and also she had just heard the prophecy of saint simeon as well and so she knew her baby would come to under attack and here boom there's the first attempt already to attack him you know and it, i think there's something also kind of unique and special if you think about god's in god we call mary one of her titles is mary mother of god god has entrusted himself to mary and joseph he's made himself dependent upon them for ordinary nourishment for basic protection um the god of the universe has you know in his extreme humility 
And yet they have likewise obviously entrusted themselves to God in order to be able to carry this out. But still, imagine the weight of that responsibility. I mean, I think that right there, um, just the weight alone of carrying God's child and now carrying God's child, knowing that the king, your local king, wants to kill that child, mm-hmm. that alone would be a very heavy weight. I would oh, think. no, that's super scary, right? And I, it's just I can't imagine – I've got nine kids, and I can't imagine – you know, at the birth of any of them, by the way, you know, and someone says, oh, by the way, people are going to try to kill your baby. Right. And it's, it's just like, what? Right. You know, uh, and, and that, that, that in and of itself is super scary. But then, then to be uprooted. Oh, yeah. Well, right. the, 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 the journey takes about 30 days to make. It doesn't take 40 years. It doesn't take 40 years. It takes about 30 days. So that's... And then about uh, a three hundred mile journey. Yeah, about three hundred mile journey. That's pretty long. Yeah, and you're basically homeless in the wilderness during those thirty days. Yeah. There's, there's not inns. There's not a place to stay. There's robbers. There are wild animals. Uh, there's threat of running out of food, running out of supplies. So I mean, I think we can ask ourselves: Have we ever been? A, you guys are dads. I haven't got, yet had the blessing with you. You have an infant with you. I haven't been the, uh, a dad yet, so I don't know. I mean. I can't imagine, it, you know, being a father having to protect my baby, or being a mother, you know, having to protect her baby, and let's say putting it in more normal, common terms, you hear noises and make you think there might be a burglar in the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're having right. to protect your child. Have you guys, I'm sure, as, as fathers, have had some pretty extreme moments in your life where it's been you've been on high alert to protect your kids? Before. So when when you when you don't have any kids, yeah, right. Your house can make all kinds of noises at night. Oh, yeah. As soon as you have a baby, every creak, every groan, every, you know, the house is settling, whatever, I'm not settled, right? It makes right. me nervous. Like, who's trying to break in? What's what's happening? And some of our listeners, I'm sure, have had break-ins in their house, mm-hmm. right? And and that that's a, it's just a scary Plus thought. Plus, too, the public. You've been in public before where you've had felt a threat yes. in some way, shape, or form, haven't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. and then what do you do? Uh, and, and and you know what? Just a simple something as simple as being at some kind of uh, uh, you know Fourth of July event with a whole bunch of people, right. and you're trying to get out, and all of a sudden the crowd kind of swells, and yeah, you know, and you got and like the times that I've had lots of little kids around me, mm-hmm. it's like that. That's scary. Like what? It what is. would I do? And so you watch, you know, you watch movies that have like disasters going on like Sharknado or isn't that your favorite right so whatever the terrible disaster right so uh, so some earthquake you gotta get your family out of it that's right flood whatever you're thinking like how would I get I cannot imagine myself and my wife trying to get those little kids through that tunnel out that window uh, 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 under that line of uh, fire or whatever from those terrorists and 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 how horrific that is that's that's what's really powerful about this particular sorrow Mm -hmm. and imagine too if like you one of your children you were already told by heaven directly that all of God's plan for salvation of man depended upon that child. Oh, so like in addition, a little bit of pressure. To, yeah, exactly. Now I will say one one bright side to all of this. Yeah, uh, this really speaks highly for you Catholic dads out there. Uh, how important it is to nap, right? <laughs> because that's when God spoke to Joseph in that dream. You know, he had to be asleep. So yeah. take those power naps, guys, because that's when God might. And if your wife says, "Why are you always sleeping?" Because I want I'm God. To, God is message. That's right. God is going to speak to now me. Leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I think another thing that is huge that a lot of us might not notice uh, from the front, pl- from the from the uh, just a, an initial reading of the Bible, um, 
let's put our, if we're going to put ourselves in Mary's shoes, the ultimate safe place for the uh, ancient Jews was the promised land, right? Yeah. And, and Egypt was the thing that we were delivered from, right? And so, uh, and so as a result, you know, she's received news that evil has descended upon the, uh, the Holy Land, mm-hmm. the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. And now, of all places, Egypt is the safe place to be. So that, I think, would be shocking, too, for her, insofar as there's a sense of displacement. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have safe places in our lives. Uh, family church for a child school is supposed to be a safe place a place of belonging when one of those safe places gets taken from us and mm-hmm. it's no longer safe that hits us on a ver- at the at the core yes right because we're expecting to be safe i mean i i you understand uh, so clearly why people were so upset when some of the uh the sexual abuse stuff like hit the church so profoundly yes. in the last twenty years. Um, I know that it's, it's, it, it's there have been scandals along the way, but really, what it, when it suddenly came to light, and people are going like, "Wait, this is I'm this I'm supposed to be safe at church?" Yes, right. And then, of course, in school settings, you know, and now parents are getting very concerned about what's being taught, how it's being taught, what's being said, who's doing the teaching, and what they believe, and things. We we and shootings too. That's right, and so so terrible things that are happening. And so these are, I can't imagine being in that setting. Yeah, or women who are in, uh, find themselves in a domestic violence relationship. Yes. Home is supposed to be a safe place. Now all of a sudden, home is a scary place. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't put my, imagine, I've known women who have gone through that. I've known a, a, one woman who was in the thick of it. And it's really hard, I think, for us, if we haven't personally been like in that situation to really put ourselves in that person's shoes. Mm-hmm. But imagine if, feeling like even home even home is a dangerous place uh, yeah I, I mean and so that's how it, and so i feel like it's heightened because you know god could have said hey i've got a safe house for you in damascus that's right but it really is a heightened message of saying no 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 the safe place for you is this place that's supposed to be the opposite of safe mm-hmm. De- egypt yeah <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't it seems uh like counterintuitive right uh, but at the same time joseph trusted god Right and said we're going to Egypt. And so God's teaching so, both of them to trust in Him. That's right, exactly right. Uh, but still, we see all of that that happened to them, and don't think for a second that everything was easy. I I, I always think about this at Christmas time, especially because I see all those Christmas cards that show this uh, beautiful little infant in a beautiful little manger. Somehow they make a feeding trough, uh, you know, filled with uh, you know animal stuff and hay to look beautiful and comfortable. And there's this, like this light coming from heaven, uh, shining down on the little uh, crash. And, and and Mary's got this little smile, and Joseph's standing there with his staff, and and all the oxen, you know, and lambs and whatever, rocking gently. You know, uh, little drummer boys playing, and everything is wonderful. And it's like, and, and and the card will say, it's like it's usually a blue card with lots of little stars, and it'll say, "Peace on Earth." Right, and you you sense that there's some kind of peace there, and yet at the very heart of that is one of the sorrows of Mary. Oh, sure. Well, and also, you know, we we were talking about Egypt being. I mean, sorry, the evil descending upon uh, the the promised land, and the promised land no longer being a safe place. I mean, you only have to go to the next piece of Matthew with the massacre of the infants. Yeah, mm. um, where 
you know, Herod, when Herod realizes that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became furious. He ordered the massacre of all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, two years and old and under, in accordance with the time he had ascertained from the Magi. Can you imagine the weight of that on Mary? Right. You know, I, I, it's like my, my son is safe. I trust God. I trust Joseph. Jesus is safe. And yet knowing that there's that you could probably hear from Egypt or from, you know, here in Egypt, the cries oh, yeah. of the babies in the promised land who were dying. And these are kids who are two years old included. Some of this. them knew exactly what was going on. How oh, tragic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there, there was a time there with Herod doing mm-hmm. this where two-year-old children were being chased down, hunted, probably trying to hide. They were getting killed. So Mary's sorrow also having learned of that. You know, she managed to protect her son, and yet those ho- she wasn't able to protect all of them. Right. Those hard, you know, this happened. I was spared, my child was spared, but they weren't. I have to think that that too is got to be a heavy part of the sorrows, and also something we can relate to. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know a storm, for example, a tornado or a hurricane. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like oh, we're we're safe. Like uh, maybe it's not even hitting me. Yeah. You know, in, in, in Memphis, Tennessee, but I'm hearing, like in Florida or California, some uh, Hawaii, some typhoon, something terrible is happening. And, and so it's like, even though I'm safe, there's this, there's this great sort of like uh, ache. Suffering going suffering on. Suffering for, oh, yeah. for, for a, a, a place, people, other, other folks. Or you hear there's an active shooting in a place where you have family. Yeah. And you don't know. Maybe my, my, my uncle or, or sister is in that grocery store. I don't know. Or, my, or my, my niece or nephew are in that school. And then you find out they're not and they are safe. Right. But then you see what happened in that shooting mm-hmm. and the tragedy that did befall people. People's lives will never be the same no. because of that day. Yeah, it breaks your heart for them. Yeah. Yeah, so this second sorrow of Mary, uh, the flight into Egypt, is, is a powerful one. And it's not one that immediately we, we stop. There's lovely paintings. Right. I've got one hanging in my den on the, of the flight into Egypt. And it just shows Joseph and Mary. And she's like, Joseph's plucking some berry off a tree. And <laughs> Jesus is looking all smiling. Perfect. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful it's like picture. like San Diego. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, and it's like, but but so at the heart of that is a is a great sorrow. Actually, several sort of points of sorrow, right, mm-hmm. wrapped up into that second sorrow of Mary. So, you know, yes, uh, Mary experienced that sorrow, and yes, it's good for us to contemplate, to meditate upon that sorrow, apply it to our lives, and then essentially, when we're compassionating that sorrow in our lives, connecting it to Mary, it makes it all the more powerful. Right when we connect it to the passion of Jesus on the cross and what He did for us, brings us closer uh, to Mary's Son, to our Savior Jesus, and that's something that we can all do. And that's why these seven sorrows of Mary are are so powerful. Uh, it's something I highly recommend. Uh, like our good friend, our listener um, Laura from uh, Mount Carmel, Connecticut. Thank you for your email, and I hope that uh, everyone takes a chance to email us. But also, everyone listening takes just kind of takes a little go at this uh, devotion of the seven sorrows of Mary. Mm-hmm. And so, in today's episode, like all episodes, we're going to unite our, our lives uh, to and entrust them to Mary and ask her to pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, 
send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. Thank you.